Amen. Well, church, grateful you're here. If you've got a Bible, uh, will you grab it and open up to uh, Paul's letter to Galatians, the church in Galatia. We're in Galatians chapter 1. We started our series uh, journeying through the book of Galatians. We're going to be in it probably all the way up until um, the very beginning of summer. So this should take us through all semester, uh, going through verse by verse through uh, this wonderful book. Um, Last week we jumped in, we just kind of, we dove right in and we saw uh, that Paul was reminding us as Christians, was reminding us as a church together that Jesus is still moving amongst his people. That Jesus has not just left us on our own to figure out what to do, but he is still moving, he's still raising up um, believers to be called up into the mission of the gospel. There's work to be done and Paul reminds us of this a uh, wonderful reality that through broken people like you and I, though we don't, we don't have to be perfect, Jesus yet still moves and works and moves through us through the work of Jesus and his glorious resurrection. And that Jesus is doing something with this group of people that he is calling up for his purposes and namesake. That he is delivering us as a people from this present evil age. He uses some strong language. From this present evil age. And so uh, this picture is being painted for us in the introduction of Galatians that uh, Jesus, our great king, who's still moving, he's still working, he's still powerful, is rescuing us. He's doing something. Right? So a rescue is something that someone else does for us. So God is doing something in our midst. He took us out of death. He made us his own. He gave us life. He raised us. He saved us by his good grace. And this was always the divine plan of God, Paul tells us. And in verse 5, at the very end, Paul kind of finishes this great introduction, just kind of extolling the, the goodness of the gospel. And he says, and all glory, all credit, all majesty goes and is deserving to God because of all that he's done. So it's just like this laser focus of the glory of God, the goodness of God through Jesus on an undeserving people whom he still is moving in our midst. And now, in verse 6, uh, Paul kind of abruptly changes gears. He goes from this amazing introduction, you know, there's nothing we can do to earn it, there's all, there's all that God has done, and he turns to this church in this letter, and he turns to you and I today as a church, and he says uh, some hard things. And he says, let me tell you what I think about your departure of this good news that I've just told you. Let me tell you something about what you've done in departing from this wonderful message that I just gave to you. Paul looks at this church. He's writing this letter. News has uh, come to him like a, uh, a, a father is dealing with an errant, wayward child, right? There's a child that has just directly disobeyed that which the father has said and said, you know what? I think I'm gonna figure it out my own way and I'm gonna go this way. And Paul is writing this letter addressing this um, wayward child, if you will. And he has some strong words. Um, and essentially, if you wanna understand sort of the, uh, the main point, the main idea of today's sermon, 
is Paul is trying to get us to understand uh, that faith plus anything else added to it equals nothing. Faith plus anything else you add to it that, oh, it's faith plus whatever it is in your mind that you think you need to add to the good news of the gospel in order to find favor and pleasure with God above is actually nothing at all. This is what Paul's addressing. Look at how he starts, verse six. He says, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you. So he starts off in verse six after this wonderful introduction and he's essentially saying, I'm in disbelief. I cannot believe what I've, just, what I've heard about this church. I can't believe what you've done. Essentially he's saying, listen, you've, you, you know me. I, I know this church. You've seen me. You've seen what I've been. You, you've seen that my life has been on the line for this. You've seen miracles happen. You've seen lame men walk. You've heard the gospel. You've, uh, you saw uh, sick people made well. And now you've left this gospel where you were called from the very grace of God. Paul says, I can't believe it. I can't believe it. He's, in, he's, a, he's astonished, it says. He said, you were saved by the righteousness of God as a free gift. You were sealed by the Holy Spirit. You were converted into this new family as brothers and sisters now. And you will one day be raised with him in glory. This is the good news of the gospel. And you've left that good news and that grace for a religion of self-righteousness in your own works, thinking, well, I'm gonna kind of earn my way to God. I'm gonna show God how good I am. I'm gonna add in all these little things to make sure God knows how great I am. You've left the gospel of grace for a religion of faith plus works, and he's saying that's no faith at all. I'm astonished he would do this, he said. I can't believe it. It's like... Um, if you had a Ferrari, like this amazing Italian, uh, beautiful vehicle with a V12 or whatever they've got in a Ferrari, right? I've never really been up close to one, but they're beautiful, they're incredible, they're sleek, they're amazing. It's, and you had this, and, you, and your buddy came up, and he had a 1993 Toyota Tercel with 380,000 miles on it, uh, and he said, hey, bro, even swap. And you're like, deal. Love me a Tercel. My friend in high school had a 93 Tercel, and it was nicknamed, uh, forgive me, parents, the Turd Cell. Right, I know, clever. <laughs> it's named that for a reason. It earned its reputation. It was sort of that, uh, the color was reminiscent of uh, the name that it bore, right? But it, Paul's saying, I, I, I'm astonished. You had it all. You had the greatest, most incredible thing in the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and you traded it in for this? This unreliable, ugly, sin, it's, it's not even the same thing. He's, 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 he's astonished. You left the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. You left conversion by faith alone, by the sealing of the Holy Spirit 
by the bodily resurrection of the dead one day in glory, by becoming life everlasting from the Alpha to the Omega to a faith where at the end of it you would have your fingers crossed thinking to yourself, I hope I made it. I hope I made it. I hope I was good enough. I hope I did enough. Paul's like, why would you do that? How foolish can you be? He's coming strong. He goes on. And he says, him who called you by grace. Um, We don't respond to the gospel uh, because it's a nice set of rungs on a ladder that we climb up and we achieve. Uh, We don't respond because God said, well, if you do this, 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 and this, you get to climb all the way to the very top. And then once you've proven your way to the very top, uh, then you're in. We respond to the message of Christ because of grace, not works. That's why it's so freeing. That's why uh, the gospel is such good news. Because Jesus did for us what we could never do on our own. We cannot climb that ladder. We don't have it in us. That's why Jesus had to come. And when we understand that, when we grasp hold of the message of grace, the Bible tells us that we now then become the aroma of Christ to those around us. Uh, The opposite of the aroma of Christ because of the grace of Jesus is uh, not so good of an aroma, right? Uh, The Bible describes that as the aroma of death. It's all on you. You better get your act together. Verse six, he goes on, you have deserted him. So whenever you add anything to Christ, I mean, Christ plus baptism, Christ plus communion, if you want to get in religious terms, which there's been many, many uh, theologians that have battled over those things over the centuries, Christ plus good works, Christ plus anything, Um, you don't actually have the gospel. The idea is not that, because a lot of people, a lot of good-natured, very good-intentioned people think to themselves, well, let's add in all these really good things so that they'll travel along the paths of righteousness. So we can, in an attempt to prop up righteousness, to prop up righteous behavior, add things into the good news of the gospel of grace and, and, and... and with good intentions, pave the road to destruction, Paul is saying. He says, don't add that in. Those can be results of the very powerful work of salvation in you, but they don't earn you that salvation. Um, Paul's saying, if you've added anything to this, you've essentially abandoned grace altogether. The reason you have faith in Christ is because uh, you've done nothing and he did all of it. That's what Paul's just, he's just gonna ring this bell. Um, And the reason we like to add works into the mix is we like to think, well, yes, I love that, but Jesus needs my help too. Like, I'm gonna... He went 99, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna take the rest of the way here. But Paul says, that's not the gospel at all. If you think your goodness saves you, Paul says, you have deserted Christ. Whew. Strong words. 
Romans eleven six. he says it this way. If it is by grace, it is no longer on the basis of works, talking about your salvation. Otherwise, grace would no longer be grace. So salvation is by grace. If it weren't, it wouldn't even be called grace anymore. You wouldn't need it. Look at the end of verse six. He says, continues on. You are turning to a different gospel, not that there is another one. Uh, the Greek, the, there's an interesting sort of play on words here, the way that uh, it's, this, this is structured to help us understand. He says, you're turning to a different gospel, but then he says, not that there is another one. So the Greek word here um, is heteros. So male and female could be used as an example here. Uh, it, it means this, they're both human, but they're of a different kind, okay, heteros. So if you had uh, two men, for example, standing in front of you, the, the word would be uh, alos. It's another of the same kind. So a man and a woman standing there would be heteros, another of a different kind. Uh, two of the same kind would be uh, alos. So here's the way it reads in the Greek. Paul's helping us understand this gospel. You've quickly deserted him who called you by the grace of Christ for a heteros gospel, which is not an allos. He's saying it's, it's not the same. It's not the same at all. You're saying faith alone and also saying, but yes, but there's a few other, other things to add in here. Paul's saying, it's not the same gospel. It's not even, it's, it's another of a different kind. You've abandoned the gospel here. In verse 7, it's not just different. He says, it's disturbing. It's disturbing. But there are some who trouble, it can be translated, disturbing you. And want to distort the gospel of Christ. There are some that are troubling and disturbing Paul with this talk of um, self-righteousness. Um, propping themselves up. Thinking my works are, is going to be what's going to get me in. There's an old hymn that goes like this. That I love. And it says, blessed assurance. Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. Heir of salvation, purchased of God, born of his spirit, washed in his blood. Does that give you joy when you hear that? Anyone? Maybe we can nod our heads, just, yeah, anyone? Everyone's like, I don't know, he's kind of mad about stuff, I'm not really sure. Is this right or wrong? Is this a heretical hymn? No, blessed assurance. Jesus is mine, heir of salvation, purchased of God. This gives us joy. These words give us joy. Why? Because we're, we're secure in him. Not blessed assurance, I did all that I could. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine, heir of salvation, purchased of God. When you take away our security in Christ, um, thinking there's a little flaw in the garment and it needs my help to sew it up. It takes away all joy in Christianity. Uh, Christianity becomes a ladder you've got to climb. And it's a lot of work 
and it's a lot of effort, and we can never quite make it. Um, the gospel is blessed assurance, and it's a weight. The weight of religion is finally lifted, and the grace of the Lord Jesus uh, is replaced with the weight of crushing guilt and shame of our sin, and he gives us life and life everlasting. And when we have that, we have joy. Um, it's not something we have to prove to God to let us in. When we have to prove our worth to God, it's never met with joy. It's met with horror. Um, and Paul is disturbed at this notion. There's another D in verse 7. So this falsehood has crept into the church and it distorts. You see that word? Disturbed and distorts the gospel of Christ. That there's, I love all the wordplay in here that he's using. It's the word trefo. It's a word that means turn. Metatrefo is the word used here in the Greek, and it just literally means to reverse. You've reversed the gospel. In an attempt to add something that you think would make people better, you've actually single-handedly reverse-engineered the gospel, and it's not the gospel anymore. You've reversed it. You've added all the stuff into it, and now it's not even recognizable. You've distorted the gospel. It is a completely different thing. The gospel presents this incredible picture of the grace of God in beauty and in majesty, and he offers to you and I to be considered children of grace. It's like this crystal clear pool. And when you look down into it, you see the reflection of Christ and all of his goodness, and we get him, and we have him. And Paul's like telling us, when you just even add a fleck of sand into it, it distorts that pool, and you can't see it anymore. It's gone. It's gone. It's a completely different thing. It's a reversal of the grace of the Lord Jesus. Faith plus anything is a reversal of the gospel, and Paul's saying it equals nothing at all. It's not the gospel. In verse 8, he's like, well, it, if you weren't sure how strong I'm coming here in this letter, let me make it very clear. He just keeps piling it on here. Verse 8. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preached, past tense, meaning the one you heard, the true gospel. If anyone denies that message to you, let them be accursed. He's like, if, if I, he's like, even if I come back, and I preached you a gospel different than the one that was delivered by the Lord Jesus Christ in his good grace, even if the angel Gabriel shows up and preaches a gospel different than the one that you've been given by the holy true word of God, let him be accursed. It is not worthy to listen to. It's like, whoa. Let him be accursed. Um, uh, that word is, uh, that's an interesting word where we get this, is tithame. It means, tithame means to set something down. And here we have ana tithame, means to set something away or to throw it out. So ana tithame 
is where we get our English word for anathema. Anyone ever heard that word if you've grown up in the church? No? Okay. Perfect. Live stream, can I get an amen in there in the chat box? Or is anyone listening? Or am I alone here? What's happening here? Like trying to preach my heart out and all you people are just staring at me. Anathema, Paul yells. Yeah, like, well, I can't get too excited about anathema. That's a strong word. Anathema just means you have no room here. There's no place here. It's outside of the grace of the Lord Jesus. It's cast away. If anyone comes to you and preaches a gospel that is contrary to that which you have received, that which you have been given, it is anathema. Get rid of it. Get it out of your life. Set it away. Throw it away. Cast it out. Um. It's very, very strong language. To, you, to go even further, it's Paul saying you're under the damnation of your own self-righteousness, essentially. That's the religion that you're following if you're buying into this. If you're buying into the fact that God's going to let me in, God's going to think I'm pretty great based on all my righteous requirements. Paul tells us what our deeds of righteousness are like in the scriptures. And he says they're like filthy rags. Your very best deeds of righteousness, my very best deeds of righteousness, that boy, I would hang my hat on these. Paul says, those are like filthy rags. I power washed my driveway uh, yesterday for like what felt like 39 hours straight. That's why I'm sort of hunchback right now. Uh, I don't think it had been power washed in 37 years. There was so much grime and gross and dirt and mud. I was covered in it. And I got a towel afterwards and wiped my legs down. And it was just one of those, like, you just want to throw the towel away when you're done. Like, oh, Ashley's, she's not even going to put this in the washing machine and just corrupt everything in there. Uh, Paul says, your greatest deeds of righteousness are like that. You don't even want it. Um, as soon as you try to stand on your personal righteousness as a means of our salvation, as a means of thinking God would look down on you and think, hmm, wow, man, he's impressive. Would you look at her? Something pretty special about that one and all their great righteousness. Um, and as soon as you begin to teach other people, especially in the church, Paul's getting at, that that's how God is going to value you so long as you obey my words and my own set rules of righteousness, Paul says, anathema. Don't you dare buy into this and don't you dare invite those people that are teaching these things into your fellowship because it is evil and it is wrong and it diminishes the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the one true gospel. Uh, this, is a, this is a spot in our scriptures where it says, if that person is in your church and he's teaching your people of your church that salvation is something that it's not, he says, get them out. Get them out. You can love them on the way out, but do not let that teaching infiltrate your church because it will ruin you because you won't be chasing the gospel at all. You'll be chasing something entirely different.
And he doubles down again, verse 9. As we have said before, so now I say again, in case we missed it, in case it wasn't already crystal clear, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you have received, past tense, let him be accursed, anathema. What does this mean for us today? Um, if a pastor, if an angel from heaven shows up, if a podcaster, if a famous person, if a famous preacher, if your best friend, if anyone preaches a gospel contrary to the one true gospel, don't listen. Um, this is where we get our truth. The one that was given to you, the true gospel that was given to you. There are so many voices today. There are so many things to tap into and listen to. There are so, we live in a, the most, the most profitable space in our current economy is y'all's attention, my attention. It's called the attention economy. And companies are making billions and billions and billions of dollars uh, capitalizing on our attention. That's why the supercomputers in our pocket ding at us because they want our attention. They want us to show us something. They want to give us information. They want to tell us what we should feel about ourselves. They want to tell us what we should do next, where we should go, what we should eat, what we shouldn't eat, what we should believe, what we should buy, what we should think. And it sort of gets to know your patterns and it gets to know your weaknesses and guarantee you there are things in your life that are going to begin to preach to you a gospel contrary to the one that we were given. And we're going to start believing false things about who we are, how God has made us how God has wired us as individuals, how God has wired us as moms and dads, how God has wired us and called us to be as husbands and wives. Our attention is the most profitable thing in our culture today. And I think Paul is even warning us, be careful. If anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary and you are believing it as your sustenance, as your saving grace as the next thing that will get you whatever you think it's gonna get you, it's not. Turn to this. This is where you find life. This is why you find hope. This is where you find peace. This is where you find all that you need for life and godliness and salvation. It's the true gospel. Um, and what's interesting is that in this church, as Paul is just ringing the bell of the gospel of grace against the gospel of self-righteousness. There are people in his midst that say this. Well, Paul's kind of preaching an easy believism religion. Faith plus nothing? Who's this guy? God wants you to do something. God wants you to do, and I'll, I'll tell you what to do. Do this, 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 and this. So the, the critics in this church were, this seems too simple. Uh, there, there's more to it here, guys. And Paul addresses that in verse 10. For am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. 
Paul says, does it sound like I'm trying to please men here? Does it sound like I'm trying to make an easy believism here? Uh, I literally just said, if you disagree with me, uh, you go to hell. If you come another way, if you think there's another way to get to God, besides through Jesus and faith alone, on your own works, by tipping the scales, you don't get in. Does that sound like easy believism? I don't think so. He drew a hard line in the sand here. It's just something that bristles against us. We do not like this in our own flesh. Paul says, you are a child of God by faith in Christ through the miracle of God and through faith alone in what he has done. Man says, you are a child of God when you've earned it, when you've tipped the scales, and your deeds of righteousness are great. And God finally takes notice of you. But the Bible says, right, our deeds of righteousness are like filthy rags. Um, Jesus is called in the scriptures the stone of stumbling and the rock of offense. Um, meaning this, you and I, when presented with this message, are offended. We don't like it. We stumble over this. Jesus is a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense because we would never dream this up in our own minds. Every other economy that we deal with and that we work in um, is based on our merits and our efforts the way that we climb the ladder. And when we are confronted with the good news of the gospel of Jesus, that he actually doesn't need us, but he laid his life down willingly for us, and all we have to do is come to him with our empty hands of faith, and he gives us it all, not by my own efforts and not by my own works. We just don't like it. We're almost offended by it. Um, Paul says, I'm not seeking man's approval. I'm giving to you the very grace of the Lord Jesus, the very message of God. Christ has done it all. We don't have to add anything. Church, you don't have to add all this stuff to gain God's approval. That's the good news of the gospel. So Paul is... Uh, this morning, urging us to, maybe for a season, um, stop letting your heart and your soul and your mind be navigated by uh, the loudest voice that's trying to gain your attention on whatever medium uh, you tend to tune into the most. And we live in such a world today where there's a little catered niche of whatever voice you want to hear for each one of us. I think the Apostle Paul maybe this morning is saying, will you unplug from that for a little bit because there can be some dangerous tides in it and uh, turn to the the word of God, the true gospel, and let it fill you, let it re-energize you. That's where you're gonna find life. You're not gonna have to bear the shackles of all the things the world says you should look like or feel like or think like or be like or do. Uh, but trust in that which is given to us, this is, this is where it's at. The freeing um, 
message of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ found in the scriptures that God himself has given to us. Um, He wants that for us. Today, in today's culture, to this church and to our church, um, Jesus has done it all for us. His hands were pierced on that cross because our hands go where they shouldn't have ever gone. Our feet have taken us to places they should never have gone and his feet were pierced. Our eyes and our head have thought thoughts and seen things in the darkness that we should never have seen and never allowed ourselves to go and look at and to think on, but his head wore a crown of thorns. Our back has turned against God. His back was striped for our transgressions. Our hearts were closed off to God and the message of the gospel and on that cross, his side was opened up and blood poured forth for the forgiveness of sin. And the name on top of that cross is Jesus of Nazareth. He did it all. He did it all. And he offers this great salvation as a free gift to those that would come with just empty hands of faith, bringing nothing if you can stoop that low. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. Heir of salvation, purchase of God, born of his spirit, washed in his blood. This is my story. This is my song, praising my Savior all the day long. That's joy. Let's pray, church. Lord, thank you. Thank you that you found us when we weren't even looking for you, some of us. Thank you that you call us out of darkness into the kingdom of light. Thank you that when you save us and rescue us, God, you fill us with your joy and your hope and your salvation. And God, we could have never earned it. We can never tip the scales, uh, but Lord, we receive it as truth and as beautiful and as wonderful and as uh, majestic, God. And God, I pray that as your people, as your children, um, that we would just take tremendous joy in the blessed assurance that we have as children of God found by the purchased blood of Jesus our Lord. And that he didn't stay down in a tomb, but he rose again in glory, conquering sin and death for us on our behalf. And we can now be considered sons and daughters of the Most High. Lord, help us to cast out other voices that tell us of new ladders we need to climb to gain your acceptance or to gain our own acceptance. Let us find our worth and value and acceptance in you and in you alone. Help us silence those voices that lead us astray. And Lord, plug us into the one true word of God and may we find hope and life in it. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Let's stand and worship the church.